It's Sports by the Book at the South Point Studio. Here's Jeff Parles. Welcome in. It's Sports by the Book on a Monday. Final Monday. How about this? The final week of February. What? How? How are we all the way at the end of February? Pretty nuts on that. I'm, I'm Jeff Parles. Alex White's alongside. Happy to be with you as always. Uh, shout out crew at the beginning of the show. Jerry and Drew, as always, doing great work. To um, quote Frank from earlier, money making Monday. That's what we have here. So got to give out some winners. Money making Monday. Does that mean Frank has bet more overs than he normally did today? He had a good weekend. He was talking about some NBA picks. He had Sacramento yesterday in L.A. against the Clippers. That was an impressive one. They're on a back-to-back now. But I don't know. I gave him one over I liked in college basketball. But the rest... I'm leaning on some unders. What about you today? You got some college for us? Oh, we'll get to that in a moment. I'm now now fascinated <laughs> by by Frankie Buckets now. Apparently in the uh, in the <laughs> NBA, that, that's what I'm that's what I'm fascinated by. I, wow! Yeah, uh, he, if you he miss- bet against the Lakers and he bet Sacramento Kings over uh, the Clippers. That's what he told us. If today. he if he wins again today, I'm absolutely calling him Frankie Buckets when I'm on with him on Thursday. One hundred percent. This is a new nickname for the rest of the uh, rest of the basketball season. I like it. I think that is a lot better than Sleeping Beauty and some of these other ones he's uh, he's gotten well, already. Well, well, for 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 background of why why Alex White just said that, uh, the the running joke in our in our South Point Studio group text <laughs> is that we always look Chris and Vinny are they're up early. They have a lot of stuff to do. Long days, especially in football season. So sometimes we get texts from. Chris or Vinny that come at six in the morning, right. which by every account is pretty early. I'm not even up by that. I, I don't know if you're up that early or, or, or not, Alex, but uh, Frank always responds usually around 10 o'clock. So it's always like, oh, he's the last one up regardless and you turn it into Sleeping Beauty. He hates the nickname. Everyone he else did. seems to love the nickname. Jerry especially loves the nickname in all honesty. So we have to keep it, but I, I don't know. Frankie Bucket's Frankie pretty good. Bucks I think is, that's pretty slick. It is. In all honesty. Very. At this point. All right. I, I Just real quick on yesterday. Uh, if you listen to us on South Florida, good. You listen to us on St. John's, good. You listen to us on Rutgers, total fine. Side bad on that one. Uh, but uh, that was uh, that was a very interesting perform, a very interesting scenario coming up with South Florida real quick. Who uh, we have the American standings right there. Amazingly enough, South Florida fourteen and one, three game lead. They've won the regular season in the American. That is a clinched scenario them for the Bulls. Uh, they are still in ninety third in Ken Palm. <laughs> they are still in the net in the nineties. Is that right? Yeah, they're going to be in one of the most interesting potential bubble scenarios ever. I don't think they can get in without winning the American Athletic. Based off their metrics, if you watch them, they're clearly a tournament. Right, I agree. But, uh, they're the most fascinating team these last few weeks. And if they win the American tournament, they're going to go. They'll be a 12 or an 11 seed, and they will, I think, will be a dangerous out uh, for whoever draws them in round one if they were to make it, or or else they may be an NIT future. Which actually, I'll ask you this: Have you Ooh. seen any books with NIT futures yet? I haven't seen any. This I haven't. Year. I haven't. Yeah, that might be. That's an interesting market, actually, if they're available now. I, did, I know Caesars used to do it back in the day. They don't do it anymore. I did read Jeff that if South Florida makes a run, wins out, and makes it to that championship game, at least they could still be in. Sure. But but I, yeah. More of a bubble than a guarantee, yeah, right? I, I would say they're bubble. If they get to the final and lose to Florida Atlantic, I think they they very much bubble. You still uh, buying Florida Atlantic? Sometimes just these teams. I did lose to Memphis yesterday. 
Sometimes just when you're now the hunted instead of the hunter, it's hard. Yeah. And especially since they weren't even in the same league as last year where they move up to the American with a few other CUSA compatriots, Charlotte and and um, and Rice, and or excuse me, and North Texas, I should say. Uh, but it's a different animal. Memphis yeah. beat them yesterday. Still losable games left on the schedule. They go to Denton next week. They play Memphis again. I mean, this could be, if they go out early in the American Conference tournament, it could be a very uncomfortable week for them leading this election Sunday. You'll still get in. But if they get if they get sent to Dayton or something like that, boy, I would be a very unhappy six seed with yes. potentially drawing FAU in a scenario like that. I will say this: if Memphis had held that game last year in around the sixty-four, FAU probably would not be in right now. I think they're kind of still light, resting on their laurels from a year ago, and beating Arizona here. Those are the two things yes. that really have them in yes. more so than anything right now. All right, two tonight. Start with a game that begins in twenty-five minutes from now. Drexel in Delaware tonight in the CAA as Drexel, as we know, we've talked about Drexel a lot more than you would have expected on this show this year, <laughs> but they've been good. They've been a good team. They're currently, uh, currently fourth on their own in the CAA. If they win tonight. They'll be tied with Hofstra for the three, getting a top five seed. Very important as we talked about in that conference tournament. Uh, Delaware, on the other hand, we saw them, pretty well plastered at home by Charleston on Thursday. Now back in Newark, Carpenter Center for this one. Two and a half is the number. There's some two out there. I like the Blue Hens of Delaware in this game. I'll very happily lay a dollar forty on the money line on that with the Blue Hens in the game starting in 25 minutes. Uh, I think Drexel is overachieved. I, their metrics don't they scream solid team. Not, I think they should be lower than 127. Delaware 152, about right for where they should be. Like them at home here in this one to win this game outright. So we'll just lay a short money line price out. I didn't do anything with the side here in this one. I'm glad you brought it up. Both of them right there for the Delaware at six, kind of trying to stay in that in that range for the tournament coming up here. But I went with the total, Jeff. I really like this game under, I would under 138 and a half. It's 138. I would still play this to about one 136. So Drexel went off in that first game they played each other. 33 of 55, that's 60%. And their shooting percentage significantly drops on the road. So I think we're going to see a drop-off there from them. And then Delaware as well shot very good against them in that first matchup, 43.3%. Like you mentioned, both teams are coming off a big loss against two of the top three teams in their conference. I think it's going to be a defensive battle. I made this game 133, so I'm very comfortable going under that 138 or 138 and a half. Going under for Alex in this one. I'm on Delaware uh, for this game on Monday here at 20 minutes. 20 minutes now for uh, for this one in Newark, Delaware. All right, let's go to the Big 12. And we'll start in Manhattan. Uh, Kansas State's on basically the fringe of the bubble right now. And the Lenardi has them as the next four out. So in that 72 to 76 range, not quite close enough. They play West Virginia at the Octagon of Doom. Look, this is a no-win situation for Kansas State. You handle your business, you're supposed to. You lose, you're done. Unless if you win the Big, Te Big 12 tournament in Kansas City, which too many good teams for K-State to get through. That's not happening uh, if that's the case. Nine and a half 
141 and a half, Alex. Anything on this one? The total did just move uh, recently here at the South Point to 141 and a half. So that is where I went as well. I did go under that 143, but still comfortable playing this at about 141, 141 and a half. It's amazing. The 9 and 18 Mountaineers have not won a road game yet. Here they face Kansas State. I'm not, I haven't been very high on the Wildcats. Kansas State this year, but their defense is very good. They are 15th adjusted um, defense efficiency on Ken Palm, and I think that has shown up here in some of their big games. So now hosting West Virginia, same thing as that last game that I just mentioned. Both of them shot a lot better in that first go-around. I mean, Kansas State, it was their second-best shooting performance in the last 10 games they're coming off their best shooting performance in that big win over BYU so I see I think we see a little bit of a drop off there but not defensively I think they can still shut down West Virginia here and um yeah so that's my play on the total you've been a little bit higher on Kansas State than me are you doing anything with the side in this one I don't know about that uh I think it just they're good at home that's the big thing with them uh they're like you mentioned they played probably their best, not probably, they played their best road game of the year in Morgantown. It shot the ball great, played awesome defense in that game as well, held West Virginia under a point of possession, all around as good of a game as they have played all season long on the road. Now, as we've talked about with K-State, at home, they Baylor in overtime to be Kansas in overtime. They smacked BYU on Saturday. Yes, they So did. they've been pretty good at home against higher-end teams. They also have losses to TCU and Oklahoma mixed in there. So, mixed bag, nine and a half's right. I don't like laying it. It's kind of like... Now, the only question is, teams have had their energy zapped after playing Iowa State, even though that was not a typical Iowa State performance that West Virginia saw on Saturday. So, to stay off more so than anything for me on that one. All right, North Carolina and, and Miami. This one at Chapel Hill. Canes, as I've talked about on this show plenty of times, Alex, monster disappointment. Basically, the whole team back other than Isaiah Wong, yes, I know, probably their best player in route to the Final Four a year ago, been a big disappointment this year. 14-point dogs tonight in Chapel Hill, total 154.5. North Carolina just played a game against Virginia on Saturday that I'm still not convinced Virginia was playing basketball in that game or if they have been playing <laughs> basketball recently. 54-44. So that's a hearty 98 points in that game. Totals at 154 and a half. We're going to see a slightly different basketball game than we saw on Saturday with the Heels. I can't do anything here, Jeff. Like you mentioned, Miami, very disappointing. 0-6 in their last six games, and they have failed to cover in four of those most recent games. UNC finally turning it back around after they had that weird little hiccup there. But So I would only look at North Carolina. I just don't want to, I don't want to lay 14 points here in this um conference game so nothing for me i also think the the total at 154 and a half is just right let's hit one more here real quick wilmington on the road at campbell i know very exciting matchup here but wilmington's really good wilmington second in the caa right now they've beaten charleston twice this year now they take on a camels team that has been a pesky at home recently nine point line this is a little steep here to lay on the road with the seahawks of unc wilmington here alex but I, my numbers came to 10 and a half, so I can't quite get there on this one at nine. I really wanted to make a case, right, and lay the points here for Wilmington, but 
what kind of threw me off is, like you said, Campbell, they've been pretty good and they've been competitive enough in these games. Wilmington won at home 77-74 and they didn't cover the minus 14 at home. So now I can't go and lay nine on the road between these two. So nothing for me here. 146. Um, that's gotten bopped up a little bit. If anything, I would Look to the under now that it's the, moved up a little. The one thing I will say, uh, Campbell's coming off their worst loss of the year by a wide margin, losing to Hampton last week. Hampton's the worst team in that conference. So maybe a little bit of a bounce back. Again, this is we're dealing we're, we're dealing with with a team that three oh what are they three oh six in Ken Bomb three oh three in Ken Bomb. Yes. So hard to uh, to take points with that type of team. Uh, but again, losing to Hampton, they get UNC. Okay, they get NC A and T to end the season. The two worst teams in that league. I it is tough. I mean, if I was getting double digit, I probably would take, but not at nine. On the fighting camels at home against UNC Wilmington. All right, we're gonna take a quick break. We get back. You hear him on radio in Philadelphia. Our guy John Jansen gonna join us next. Talk some college hoops. Some uh, some thoughts on the Philadelphia Phillies as well as spring training well underway here in 2024. That's next. Sports by the Book, South Point Studio. From the South Point Studio. The perfect blend of sports. But I think the Niners are going to wear them down. Detroit Pistons lost their 36 games. Comedy. See over under on that relationship lasting. I'm going to put mayo in the coffee. Yeah. I am beautiful. And a whole lot of Pittsburgh. In Pittsburgh. 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 Yeah. Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh. Join Ryan McCormick. That's at least Two picks outside of our own in the first round next year. Oreo. And host, Frank Nicotero. <laughs> I look at the clock, I go, ah! Ah! Oh! Watch Punchlines, live at noon every weekday. Once you've satisfied your hunger, get ready for more of the hottest casino games in Vegas. Our 24-hour, 30-table, non-smoking poker room proudly hosts all the most popular poker games with a variety of betting limits. Visit the poker room for a schedule of daily tournaments. Whether you're going to hold them or fold them, the best place for poker is at South Point Casino. You'll notice that our craps tables are usually the loudest in the casino. If you've never played, join one of our free craps lessons to find out what makes this game so exciting. Check with the craps dealer for schedules and give it a roll. Bingo is also an exciting way to spend your time. We offer seven sessions of bingo every day. And each session includes a cash ball jackpot, 12 bingo games, a progressive double action game, and a $10,000 bonus coverall. Electronic units are available. If you haven't played bingo with us, give it a try today. Guests can also get in on the action at our one-of-a-kind race and sports books. Two separate rooms designed to maximize your experience and comfort. Our sports book, with over 400 seats, puts you right in the middle of the action, 24 hours a day. Welcome back in. Sports by the Book is the show. I'm Jeff Marles, Alex White, alongside. I have the headphones on. So we have to uh, get our guy, John Jansen, in right now. John Jansen, of course, Fox Sports, the gambler, where you can find his work. Him and Sean Brace do a fine radio program, The Daily Ticket, Monday through Friday, 3 to 6 Eastern time. That's noon to 3 out here on the West Coast. Come on, give yourself some credit. I already got on you earlier today when 
uh, as Alex said, it would be kitchen by the book here at the South Point studio. We're getting the food dog. <laughs> Uh, but uh, we it, can talk about food. I'm down to talk about food. I'm hungry right now. And, I can do it. And, uh, I had a cheesesteak over the weekend for the first time in a while. So I, I, uh, I'm glad I got back on the cheesesteak band. From where? From where? Before we? Oh, keep. brothers. Uh, it's a solid okay. spot. It's not one that you usually hear, but it's a solid spot okay. that I used to go to. And uh, yeah, I got a DoorDash too. It's lovely. Okay. So, I haven't. I haven't. I, I, I don't Cooper Sharp, ever. by the way. You got to go Cooper Sharp all okay. the time in a cedar roll. Okay. I don't think I've ever been to Oh Brothers actually. So next time I'm in the area, I'll have to check that out then. All right. I trust your food opinion. You do have a good food food opinion there. At least most oh, of the time. Yeah, of course At least most of the time. All right, uh, yeah. John, before uh, before Ann gives me the death stare in the corner over there, uh, <laughs> let, let me uh, let us go to some college hoops. Let's start with tonight. Uh, you and I were both – actually, all three of us were on Baylor in that game on Saturday. We almost found a way to get there, but not quite. Houston wins that game in overtime. It covers all numbers. Baylor's back in action tonight. They take on TCU. It's two and a half across the board now. There was some two earlier in the day. That's all been sucked up. Now it's uh, two and a half, total 146 and a half. What direction you're looking here, if anything, on this big, big 12 matchup in Fort Worth? Yeah, I'm going with a TCU team that's been looking better as of late. And part of it is, you know, Baylor, I know a loss in overtime. That's a tough loss. Also, you play a really tough team. Houston's physical. I don't know what Baylor's going to be like in this game. I don't know if they are going to be 100% in shape for this one after a really tough game against Houston. Uh, and again, TCU's been playing better. TCU looks like that they're going to be in the tournament. Still a little bit of work to do. So a, a win like this would go a long way for them. I just think at home, uh, not desperation for TCU, but playing better, knowing that this win would do wonders for their chances to get into the tournament. Uh, I think the Horn Frogs definitely, to me, seem to be the spot in this game. And, and again, a lot of that has to do with Baylor's last opponent. That's a physical game. That's a physical opponent. I think it's going to be tough for them to get up for this one. Let's look at a game that's about to start in about 13 minutes. Jeff and I both have a bet on this one, one on the side, one on the total. This is Drexel at Delaware. Was there anything you liked in this one? Drexel's getting two and a half right now on the road. Yeah, I was able to find a three with Drexel, so I did like that. And everybody's talking about Drexel's road problems, and they do. They've lost their last five on the road. I think they're 4-11 against the spread on the road. But if you look at most of those games, the only one that really was bad was Monmouth. The rest of them, those are teams that are higher in the standings in the CAA than Drexel is. Hofstra, Charleston, you want to see Wilmington. So teams that are better, teams that they should lose to, they have beaten some of those teams at home in Drexel. But this is a team that Drexel beat really bad at home. This isn't like they're traveling all that far down 95 to get the Delaware. It's a quick road trip. So I, I really, all that stuff about the road, I don't think that's a big deal. Drexel to me has been the better team this year. Uh, this is probably going to be a slow game. So I did like, I, I heard you're on the under. I do like that. But to me, it is going to be one of those ugly games that is going to come down to maybe just a, a couple of points. So I did like getting the three. You know, uh, this is of, of course for the, for that conference, John, uh, the CAA is a, a, one of the, conferences that will start their conference tournament a little bit earlier uh as we approach here these this final week for some of these conferences this next to last week for the bigger conferences does your approach change at all these final two weeks of the regular season or do you just keep humming along like you have all year long on college hoops? 
Well, I hope it changes because my college basketball bets have not been doing well over the weekend. So oh, very hopefully good, something does, yeah, hopefully there are some <laughs> adjustments that I make. But yeah, no, it, it's it's just being careful with the spots because some teams are really desperate right now. Some teams do need to get into the tournament. Uh, Villanova, just speaking as a local example, is one of those teams that probably needs to win three of their last four. Now, they do have three winnable games. One of them, the last one, is going to be Creighton at home, who they beat Creighton, Creighton on the road, which is, I think, one of the best victories uh, in all of college basketball this season. Really good win for Villanova. Villanova. Uh, so I, I, I do think you, you have to be careful with the spots. You do have to take into account what teams could be a little bit desperate heading into the tournament, trying to move up seating for their, their conference tournament. So yeah, it, it does change a bit. It's just being more cautious of, of these spots and uh, where teams are at moving forward. What about futures? Are you looking at the future market now? Have you already started to get some tickets for, for the big tournament, the big dance, or um, anything that's jumped out to you as of late? Yeah, nothing, nothing yet, because I just want to see, I think now more than ever this season, it's seeing how these teams match up in, in the, the tournament. So how the regions all align. I think the only one that you could really tie any money into and know for sure what they are is UConn. But even that number to get to the final four has gotten so short now that I don't even know if it's worth it. So now it's, it's a lot of waiting. It's, it's just waiting to see. Cause I'm, I'm somebody that I don't care about all the Rick Barnes stuff in the past. Tennessee's really good. And they just beat Texas A&M. Texas A&M not been playing well, but still 35 point win against Texas A&M is very good. And Tennessee's one of those really talented teams, but I would like to see how it lines up for them. Even Purdue, I think is one that you want to see in terms of regions, how they line up. So nothing yet again, cause the only team that you can really, I think rely on is UConn. Outside of that, it's going to be really reliant on matchups. Well, as it, it mostly is in the NCAA tournament, but I think you and I and Sean Brace, your co-host, we had this discussion on UConn earlier today, and and I think it. I, yes, I understand that the committee right now, a lot of the bracketologists have Purdue, mm -hmm. UConn, and Houston as one A, B, and C in any order, and I think that would be fine at this point. But I still am buying, and you just saw them play Villanova on Saturday and really destroying the, the cats in the second half after a pretty competent first half by Villanova. It just feels like UConn is just a clip above Purdue and then Purdue's a clip above Houston and then Houston is well above team number four, whoever you may have it as UNC, Arizona. I don't really care. I think those three teams are really above everybody else. Yeah, I think they are clip above. And a lot of that is, I just think they're all around good. You know, Houston, good guard play, very tough physical team, not the best scoring team. UConn is that though. UConn can score, UConn can defend. And I think one of the key X factors, a guy that we don't talk about enough is Tristan Newton. Mm -hmm. East Carolina transfer. He was really great at East Carolina. He's just had back-to-back -back double double or triple doubles for UConn. So he, he was a key for their run last year. I think he's going to be a key for the run again this year. We know Klingon's really good. We know they can get down low, but it's mostly just can they, they can the guards play well enough? That was the question last year. And I think the question this year is the same thing. Is Tristan Newton good enough? But I think he is. So I, I think the guard play for UConn has just been excellent for them so far this season. So yeah, they they have it all. They they have it all in a way. I don't think any other team in the tournament does. You know, we we could talk about some other teams like, you know, we've talked about Kentucky a lot. We you, you were on our program talking about them that you could see a potential run happening. There are things to like, but that's that to me is with every team. No team I, I think is is even close to being perfect except for UConn so yeah UConn is really the only one I would trust I don't trust Houston all that much even Arizona all that much either UConn has everything to me see it all comes back to ECU it all comes back to ECU always John. Does. Always, always does, does. <laughs> the ECU grad himself I just wanted to ask you so Connecticut 
has to go to Marquette and play them. We saw what happened in that first game. Is this a good spot where we can actually? Um, well, I'm assuming UConn will be a small favorite, they'll right? Be, on I, the think, road? I think they'll be th- three, three and a half, kind of yeah. similar to what they were against Creighton, would be my guess. Yeah. As much as you like the Huskies, John, would you would you consider taking the points here with Marquette or even the money line? Yeah, I would consider that. Again, just playing spots here. You know, Marquette kind of got embarrassed on a big stage against that kind of team. And Marquette is is going to be fighting for some top seeding, you know, a, a number two or a number three seed. Uh, so Marquette, yeah, Marquette definitely a little bit desperate here. Wants to show the committee, hey, that loss against UConn, it looked bad. It looked bad, but it's not it's not that bad. There's not that big of a gap between us and a team like the UConn Huskies. So I, I would look at Marquette here. Marquette's a really good team, too. Again, not one that I don't know if I can trust. It's going to yeah. be very region-dependent and, and what their path to the tournament's going to be like. But I do like the spot here for Marquette. And again, just kind of getting that revenge is a big deal. Deal for them in this game. That will be uh ne- that will be next Wednesday in Milwaukee. That one UConn gets more than a week off before they play again. They play Seton Hall. Uh, that one in uh, that one's on campus actually stores on Sunday. So uh, senior day for the Huskies and that one on Sunday the third. Seton Hall got a very nice win over the weekend against Butler, moving them probably into the NCAA tournament at least for the time being. John Jansen with us, Fox Sports Gambler, Philadelphia where you can find John right now. Uh, the Daily Ticket, the show, noon to three, uh, or excuse me, yeah, noon to three Pacific time, three to six Eastern time, Monday through Friday. Uh, I want to go to the NBA real quick with you, John. Uh, obviously, it's been a little bit different for the Sixers. No Joel Embiid. We have no idea when he's coming back, if at all, this year. Uh, Tyrese Maxey has looked every part of the all-star he was and is this year. I, I mean, at this point, is it, the, the, ex, the, the hope for the Sixers is, all right, find a way to hold the top six seed and then get Joel back for the playoffs and see if he can pick off a Cleveland or a Knicks in a best of seven at this rate. Yeah, I mean, that was that was perfect scenario, right? Just make sure Embiid is back, healthy. He gets some type of games in, so you know, something to make sure his conditioning's okay because that's probably going to be the number one thing when he comes back from his knee injury, his conditioning. So you would hopefully have enough time to ramp him up to get him ready for the playoffs and playing like what was going to be the MVP of the league before he got injured. I, that that hope to me is going all the way. I, I don't even think you could be optimistic about the Sixers anymore. This this team isn't good enough to stay afloat. I, I think they're going to be playing in a play-in tournament. Uh, I think they're going to be in a play-in scenario, and I don't know if that's going to be great for a Sixers team that you don't know what Embiid's going to be like. Now, hopefully they get an update on him. I think in a couple of weeks, it was four weeks when they said it. I think we're two weeks past that already. So a couple of weeks, we get an update. Maybe there is more optimism about Embiid coming back earlier uh, or that he's in good shape. Whatever the case may be, that update's very good. Still, I don't know where they're going to be in the standings. So now it, it becomes to me, where are they at when he gets back? And I don't think it's going to be in a good spot. They have never played well without Embiid, even before this season. They're playing even worse without Joel Embiid now. Guys like Nick Batum aren't playing well without Embiid because they're there to basically catch and shoot. And that's not the case anymore because now they have to be more involved in the offense. They have to take on more of the workload. Buddy Heal was great when he first got there, but the problem now with Buddy Heal is he's regressing and he was shooting over 40% from three the last few games. He is not. Uh, it, it's it's a lot. And I think, honestly, some blame has to be put on Tyrese Maxey and Tobias Harris. Maxey's an all-star, but he hasn't played like that 
since Embiid has been gone. You would hope that a player like that can up the level of his game to be able to win some of these games. And he's just not doing that. Tobias Harris has gotten significantly worse since Embiid has been injured. It's, it's to me, very a pessimistic outlook for the Sixers. There was a hopeful scenario and a, and a perfect scenario, but from what we've seen, they haven't been able to figure out answers to win before with Embiid. They haven't been able to figure out answers now to win without Embiid. And I don't know how that's going to change in the next few weeks without Embiid as well. So if it's not the 76ers on the Eastern Conference side, who can uh, take down Boston, who is the clear-cut favorite to win that conference right now? Yeah, that is a difficult question to answer because Boston is unbelievable. They're by far, I think, the best team in the league. They're the best team in the Eastern Conference. I, there is something about the Knicks to me that I love, though, and that could just be there are a bunch of Villanova Wildcats. We love Villanova over here. Uh, so I... I think, at least New York, I do like the fact that it does seem to fit very well. And again, OG Ananobi, that trade, we know how successful they were as soon as they traded for him and how much of an impact he's made. Now it just comes down to, are they going to be healthy? The Julius Randle injury obviously is a bit of a concern. I'm not the biggest Julius Randle guy in the first place, though. I know it would help to have a really talented player, but I think it gets them in a lot of bad spots. They move the ball around really well when it's guys like G. Vincenzo in the lineup, Josh Hart in the lineup, and of course, Jalen Brunson. As long as he's healthy and he's playing, I think he gives him a chance, and he's had great playoff performances before. He's been able to carry teams like even Dallas when Luka was injured he was able to carry them to some playoff wins uh, I, I don't know if there's any good answer to beat Boston but I have really liked all the things that New York has done they have built that team in a very good way and they have a guy like Jalen Brunson who I think is ready for moments like that John before we let you get out of here I have to ask because spring training is underway hey, you look at the National League to me, it's the Dodgers, the Braves, and the Phillies, and then a pretty significant gap to everybody else in the NL. We know what the Phillies have done the last two years. Get into the postseason, win the wild card rounds, upset the Braves two years running, and then, of course, get to the World Series year one and then somehow blow that series to Arizona, which I know you don't want to talk about. But no. uh, what is the realistic expectation here for Philly? Same sort of deal? Get the top wild card? Take your shot against the one seed, whether it be L.A. or the Braves, and see what happens from there? Yeah, pretty much. I I don't think they're going to be able to compete with the Braves. I would like to see them do that. You know, I would like to see, because they really haven't in, in the past two years. They made a World Series run. They went back to the NLCS. They beaten the Braves in the playoffs twice. Uh, but I think the, the problem is during the regular season, the Braves are just a machine, and the Phillies haven't been able to keep up with that. Part of that reason, though, is injuries. They're actually coming in. Now, it's early in spring training, but... You know, they, Bryce Harper had to deal with an injury last year. Uh, Ranger Suarez, Zach Wheeler a couple of years ago, or I think it was last year actually, started the year for them kind of on the IL, wasn't completely 100% because he didn't have a full spring training. So this is the first time it feels like they're they're in good shape. They're getting healthier. They have young guys that are probably going to get better. Johan Rojas could be an X factor for them, had a 771 OPS, uh, I think in about like 50, 60 games. So, or... Uh, I think 140-something plate appearances. So it's a pretty decent sample size for him to show that he could be a good player for them at the bottom of the lineup. Uh, but also Bryson Stott's getting better. Alec Bohm's getting better. The one thing I do have concern with, we're in the final year, the contracts for guys like Nick Castellanos and Kyle Schwarber. I'm kind of concerned that those guys at some point, and even JT Ormuto as well, who has been taking step backs, 
that they do kind of regress and that it's going to be harder. Look, this would be the third year if they were to make it to an NLCS and make it to a World Series. You know, third year making those kind of runs, that doesn't happen often. I would feel more comfortable if they do get a little bit more pitching help because they're very uh, lineup reliant. If they can get a fourth starter, I don't trust Taiwan Walker. Jordan Montgomery is there for the taking, and we know that the Phillies put in this huge offer for Yamamoto. If they did that for him, it obviously means they have money to spend or money that they're willing to spend, and I think they should for Jordan Montgomery. Get that fourth guy in there. Ranger Suarez dealt with some injuries last year. He hope he stays healthy. They have a great one-two-three punch, and if they can get Montgomery, I feel really good about the depth that they have because Christopher Sanchez was good last year. I don't know if I trust him 100% uh, coming into the year to be the fifth guy. So if they can get a little bit more starting pitching help, I think they should be fine. The bullpen's good. Bullpen's got some really lively arms. I actually like Jeff Hoffman a lot. I know it took him a while in the big leagues to kind of get settled in, but I, I do think his stuff is really good. They have Orion um, Keckering, who is an awesome pitcher, lively fastball, great slider. So a lot of things to like. I just am concerned that they regress in a few areas that have been constants for them for the past two years. Well, that was a fantastic yeah. breakdown. I'm looking at the win totals. Right now, Phillies 2024, win total set at 89 and a half. Do you like it over or under? That one's so close. I'm I'm staying away from it. If I were to lean away, it'd be over. I, I think this is a 90, 91 win team. But the number for the past couple of years has been pretty spot on for the Phillies. I think that's spot on. And again, if pitching help comes, you know, I I would be more willing to do so, but because the the injury problems could happen to their starting rotation, uh, I think they could get into a bit of trouble at times. And they had to fight for the wild card spot last year. I think they're going to fight for a wild card spot again this year. If they get the top wild card spot, it's probably a ninety to ninety one win team. But that's way too close of a number for me to want to do that. And again, if some of these things happen and they do get some bad luck with their starting rotation injuries, uh, they got into some bad spots last year because of it, and I think it could happen again. So just because of those worries, I, I don't know if I'd want to bet their their win total. He's John Jansen, Fox Sports, the gambler, the daily tickets, the show, on the tweets at jjansen34. As you know, East Carolina graduate as well. Got no had, to, had to rep it as always, and uh, as we know, it all comes back to ECU. <laughs> more times than not john pleasure man thanks for hanging with us today thanks for having me always love coming on the show absolutely thanks, john man. jansen everyone when we come back we are going to shift over to a little bit of nba talk i just want a, a little bit of a reset here now as we're the second half or the post all-star break set of games has gotten underway we'll look at that more when we get back sports by the book south point studio South Point offers all the types of entertainment you'd expect at a first-class Las Vegas resort. Did you know our 400-seat showroom is one of Las Vegas's top destinations for live entertainment? Enjoy live performances by classic Vegas entertainers, bands, and today's hottest comedians, plus a rock and dance floor. You can also enjoy live entertainment at the Grand View Lounge, where you'll feel all the vibes of old Las Vegas. Enjoy the music, and if you love to laugh, don't miss The Dirty at 1230, our very own free comedy show, every Friday night at 1230 a.m. in the Grandview Lounge. The Dirty is 100% free, so arrive early. Go to southpointcasino.com or call the box office at 77136 for today's performances at the showroom and the Grandview Lounge. When you're ready for your favorite cocktail, stop in and unwind at one of our seven specialty lounges. There's a bar around every corner, because you're in Vegas, baby. South Point Casino has plenty of attractions for the whole family. 
Catch a movie. Our 16-screen movie theater includes two XD Extreme screens for the ultimate in viewing, sound, and luxury. After the show, treat the family to a variety of treats at our old-fashioned ice cream parlor, Kate's Corner. We scoop up a variety of creamy concoctions, including smoothies, hand-dipped cones, milkshakes, malts, sodas, and sundaes. At Kate's, there's something for everyone. And if you've still got time to spare, our bowling center might be right up your alley. Voted Best of Las Vegas, it's a great place for friends and family fun. 64 lanes, a pro shop, snack bar, and arcade. And while the kids are bowling, you can play slots and sip on a drink in the Alley Cat Lounge while overlooking the lanes. For our more serious and professional bowlers, the South Point is also home to a separate tournament bowling plaza. Welcome back in Sports by the Book. Show South Point Studio is the site. I'm Jeff Parles, Alex White, alongside. Big thanks to our guy John Jansen for hopping in for a few minutes. Always love chatting with him. The first time you got to talk, it to him is as well, so. so all things Philly, right? Well, yes, he's uh, an interesting guy, he's a good friend of mine, but a good good radio host there in Philadelphia. Him and Sean Brace, I'll do a hit with them every well, every every other week. Uh, they do a really good show there on Fox Sports again. We're in Philadelphia. Dang it. We should have asked him about that Flyers, that fight. Um, Rangers, Kemby, and the, one of the Flyers oh. in hockey. That was insane. Did you see that? No, I didn't. Yeah, I also was going to say have. we probably don't want to mention the Flyers around these parts uh, after yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we've all had them, Alex. We've all had them uh, with, with that one. Uh, you, know, you know what? You can blame Frank for that. That's okay. But yeah, it is. It's it's his team's fault. It was really mine. I mean, it was a. I mean, you know, it happens. Hey, look, it, we, Alex. We know, we know we know the deal. It, it's uh every once we all have a uh, we all have those that are not uh hockey's been a little bit of yeah. a swing here since the All Star break. My under teams are scoring a lot. My over teams can't score. So you know, yep. Yeah. All you can do is stay consistent. 100%. Update the number. Update the numbers every day and uh, trust the process. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. Let's go to the NBA. Let's go back to the NBA here. Um, so I'm just looking a little macro here. I, neither of us have any plays on tonight's NBA games. I know stunning turn of events that none of us have any, and neither of us have NBA plays today. Uh, it would be more stunning if any of us had anything. Uh, Pacers play the Raptors. Knicks play the Pistons. Hey, that's a revenge game for Quentin Grimes, isn't it? <laughs> traded, uh, traded to the Pistons uh, in that... Uh, in that uh, deal that the Knicks made uh, recently at the trade oh. deadline, uh, the uh, Nets are road favorites tonight. It's a testament to how bad Memphis is right now. Mm -hmm. uh, and the uh, Kings, Frank Nicotero's Sacramento Kings, are seven and a half tonight against Miami. Uh, no, no place for us in any of that, which uh, is not much of a shock. Just want to, I just want to bring this up real quick. Where we're reaching the point now, and we've talked about this a little bit last week, coming out of the break where Boston is so clearly the best team in the Eastern Conference right now. Just a matter of, will they be able to get back to the finals? Of course, this group has been there once. They lost to Golden State in what was clearly the final hurrah for this group in Golden State. Yeah. Other than that, they've had some pretty disappointing playoff performances, including what happened last year, getting a 3-0 hold on Miami and then get it back to Game 7 and then just throw up an epic stink bomb in Game 7 at home in that loss. Uh, to the heat, you uh, you look at this East 
I mean, Milwaukee's the only one, at least to me, that get, I give a chance in a seven-game series. They look better these last two games. They do. Uh, but it's still Doc Rivers. <laughs> I mean, the man is it, it, the man is the has one less with more than anyone in NBA history as a head coach, and this is just another opportunity to not win with more with more talent. Uh, with the, to me, still the best, the second best player in the NBA, and Giannis Antetokounmpo and Damian Lillard, who still is looking for that championship. He is still not one. So. I guess I'll I'll go to you a little bit more on this. I like Boston. I think it is their year. I know that you were looking for a team to bet to be able to take them out. You wanted the Sixers. That was before Embiid and his injury. So now are you trusting the Bucks? Do you like them? I really like John's breakdown with the Knicks, and there is something about that team that I really do love. Um, but you still have that full roster with Boston, with Tatum, Brown, Porzingis, Holiday. So I do think they can make a run. I know you're not as confident. So where are you at right now with the Eastern Conference? Boston and Milwaukee. I think those are the only two teams you can look at. Again, the Celtics, when you're this much better than everyone else, and they're vastly improved from what they were a year ago. Remember last year was Yudoka with the whole thing off the court that caused him to get fired and then, or suspended and then not brought back right then you had missoula come come in missoula's clearly not ready to be an nba head coach at that point now he clearly is ready to be an nba coach we've seen the results uh i'm a little bit perplexed by the push by some in the national media of jason tatum to be the mvp i think that's laughable i i think at best he's the sixth best candidate to win the mvp this year he just happens to be the best player in the best team doesn't mean you should win the mvp right uh I mean, Jalen Brown shouldn't have been an all-star. There's a legitimate argument to be made. He's the fourth best player on the team this year with the elevation of Derek White and Porzingis when yep. he's been on the floor has been awesome and kind of looks like the missing piece more so than anything for them. Cleveland, I like. I don't think they're good enough to win a best of seven against Milwaukee or the Celtics. Be concerned about them in the best of seven against Indiana and New York, yes. in all honesty. Bucks, we just said it, very talented. Don't trust Doc. Knicks aren't good enough to beat the Celtics in a seven-game series, and that goes for everyone else on there except for maybe Miami, who I don't think is any good, but I didn't think they were any good last year, and they made the finals. So tonight Miami will be playing Sacramento Kings on right. a back-to-back. -back. They won a really good game over the Clippers. Mm -hmm. Miami will be without uh, Jimmy Butler, who yep. is on a one-game suspension, and there's one other player that is suspended as well. Can't, it's slipping my mind. But so we'll see how they do tonight, right? If they can take advantage, win this one, they are still a seven and a half point dog here on the road. But I just, I don't trust this. I don't think my this Miami team has what the last two years did and can make a big run. Well, it's interesting because two years ago, they were the one seed. That's right. And, and they, they were, were they, I, I thought they were a vulnerable one seed. And I mean, if Jimmy Butler hits that transition three in game seven, Miami's playing Golden State in the finals. That's right. So a little bit of a different vibe. And then last year would have had a different vibe going in as well. Of course, they seven seed in the regular season, lose to Atlanta in the play-in. And that changed the course of NBA history because then they got Milwaukee, destroyed the Bucs in yep, five games, beat the Knicks, and then beat uh, Boston after getting up 3-0. Again, I, just some franchises in professional sports, you know about it. You can't really doubt them. Miami, even though they... Haven't won an NBA championship since LeBron James and Dwayne Wade and Chris Bosh at the big three era there. Mm -hmm. And in the finals twice with team, they were a six seed when they got there to first go. 
and now here you or excuse me, five seed the first go, and now here they are. Last year is an eight, just the second eight seed ever to make the NBA Finals uh, in the NBA, joining the '99 Knicks uh, were the only other ones to do it. Is that low of a seed to get to the NBA Finals uh, on the West side? This is more complicated, Alex, as we've talked about on Sunday, uh, or excuse me, on uh, on Thursday last week. Minnesota and Oklahoma City, as we all expected, tied for first. Right. Legitimately, the road to the finals could go through Minneapolis or OKC. But Denver's just lurking there. Game and a half back. Their numbers are nowhere near as good as they were a year ago. They Their depth has really struggled this year. Jokic has been the best player in the league again. Probably should win the MVP, even though it seems to be a big push for Shea Gilgis-Alexander mm-hmm. at this rate. By the way, Clippers are your betting favorites here at the South Point at 2-1. to one. Currently sitting in fourth, a game behind Denver, two and a half behind OKC and Minnesota. The Suns, who got a big win against the Lakers over the weekend, moving to six. They're eight to one. Thunder is six to one. Part of that also to that number. Chris has talked to us about this. A bunch of liability here on OKC to win the Western Conference and the NBA championship. So a little bit shorter than some of the market has OKC right now because of that. Uh, Timberwolves at plus eight fifty. Lakers 10 to 1, Golden State 12 to 1, Dallas 13 to 1, uh, Sacramento longer than that. Same with New Orleans, who are currently in that mix right now. I look, I think the Clippers are the best overall team. But <laughs> even though they've been great after that stretch with when they traded for Harden, where they were just dreadful for about three weeks. Since then, they've been the best team in the Western Conference, I, I think pretty clearly. It's just a matter of, and I know this is weird, and it doesn't, every team is different, and I get that, but you still have to get over the history of what this franchise has been. Where they've been in the Western Conference Finals one time right. in their franchise's history. Now, a lot of that recent bad history falls on the shoulders of Doc Rivers, who's not coaching them anymore. And I really like Teron Liu, who has really done a great job with this team, where again, got to the Western Conference Finals, of course, won a title with LeBron in Cleveland but has shown to be a good coach outside of that. They are the team. They are the correct favorite here. I just don't know if they can beat Denver in a seven-game series. I think that's the big question mark at this point. I don't think so. I think Denver is is the best team in the West. I mean, they are the defending champions, I think, until somebody proves otherwise. I love this Clippers team, and I like all of these star guys playing together, Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, and even uh, Westbrook has done great off the bench for them. But... I just think maybe we're a year early with them. We just saw at home lose last night to the Sacramento Kings and everybody was playing. Nobody was out of that game. They lost by 20 at least. So I don't I don't know what it is. There's something I don't trust about this LA Clippers team. And you're saying it about the franchise. I even mean this team, unless they can pull it together and, you know, string some wins consecutively here i don't really trust them i don't think there's value taking them now as the betting favorite i think it's denver or nothing really for me in on the west side uh real quick here some news in the miami and unc game that's starting in 15 minutes uh poplar and pack who are arguably miami's two best players are out tonight so that line just moved to 15 at some spots uh, 14 still behind us. I'm going to imagine that's going to move to 15 momentarily. Uh, total is going to, I can imagine, start coming down a little bit as well. Uh, low in the markets, 154 and a half. High is 156. So that would be something to look at. Now, again, I'm not saying lay North Carolina on a worse number. Maybe we, you'd even look to an under if you can still get a higher number right now. 
uh, on, on that just because I'm not sure how Miami's going to score here in this game. I agree. I agree. <laughs> I mean, it's, uh, I think that's just the way to look at it on that, on that front for sure. All right. You know, we'll take one more break. We'll take one last break. When we get back, uh, we will uh, we will go to college hoops one more time. We'll look at some futures. We'll see what numbers stand out to us right now as we're entering the home stretch, final few days of February before March begins. We'll talk about it when we get back. Sports by the Book, South Point Studio. Once you've satisfied your hunger, get ready for more of the hottest casino games in Vegas. Our 24-hour, 30-table, non-smoking poker room proudly hosts all the most popular poker games with a variety of betting limits. Visit the poker room for a schedule of daily tournaments. Whether you're going to hold them or fold them, the best place for poker is at South Point Casino. You'll notice that our craps tables are usually the loudest in the casino. If you've never played, join one of our free craps lessons to find out what makes this game so exciting. Check with the craps dealer for schedules and give it a roll. Bingo is also an exciting way to spend your time. We offer seven sessions of bingo every day. And each session includes a cash ball jackpot, 12 bingo games, a progressive double action game, and a $10,000 bonus coverall. Electronic units are available. If you haven't played bingo with us, give it a try today. Guests can also get in on the action at our one-of-a-kind race and sports books. Two separate rooms designed to maximize your experience and comfort. Our sports book, with over 400 seats, puts you right in the middle of the action, 24 hours a day. The friendly ticket writers are happy to help, and it's conveniently located next to the famous Del Mar Deli, where you'll find supersized portions of delicious deli items like roast beef, pastrami, and Reuben sandwiches, or soups, salads, and pizza plus spectacular desserts fit for a king. And right next door is the race book, over 150 seats, each with its own TV screen. There are 16 interactive player terminals, so you can bet right from your seat. Welcome back in Sports by the Book. There is the two shot. I'm Jeff Parles, Alex White's alongside. We're happy to be with you as always. Uh, I mean, we we talked about this with John Jansen. We haven't given our official thoughts on this game yet, and that's Baylor on the road at uh, at TCU. So let's look at this real quick. We talked about TCU. By the way, TCU had as good of a performance as they've had in Big Twelve play over the weekend. They really annihilated Cincinnati from the get go in that game in Fort Worth on Saturday. Baylor, tough loss, very tough loss. Just couldn't figure out Houston's uh, Houston's defense in the first half. A lot of turnovers. Houston shot the lights out in the first half as well. Get the game to overtime. Wild finish the regulation. Yes. Uh, Houston very close, about about a two tenths of a second from winning it in regulation, but the shot was late. And then really the moment that flipped it was Baylor's big guy had a wide open uncontested dunk with about ninety seconds left that would have tied the game. The ball somehow came out of his hands. Baylor finished, or Houston finished the game on a 9-2 run, yep. and that was that. Now Baylor in a really difficult, quick turnaround after playing that physical of a team. Now, yes, Waco to Fort Worth is not a far trip, but it is still a road, a road game. 
This is a brutal spot for Baylor. I like TCU here. I did like two earlier in the day, Alex. I agree with you guys. If I was looking at the side, I would definitely look at TCU. I went ahead and took the over in this one because I really just think offensively, these teams are a lot better. Baylor's fifth adjusted offense efficiency on Ken Palm. And then we have TCU, who's 26 adjusted offense efficiency and their 40th adjusted defense. Baylor, 85th adjusted defense. So I think it's going to be a high scoring game. We saw a triple overtime between these two last time. Outstanding game that one was 105 to 102 final. If you took out the overtime, though, it was still 152 points in regulation. I think we're going to see a very similar style of play here from both of these teams. Baylor averaged 78 points in their last five games in TC. TCU averages 83 at home. So that's the way I'm going to play it. But honestly, bad spot for Baylor. Maybe if you're looking at the Bears, be first half. But full game, I'm with you and John on this one. I think it's TCU's. Yeah, it just, it, I don't want to say they're the better team because that's just not right. But in this circumstance, this is a, re- a really just dreadful, dreadful spot for Baylor. It really makes this a pretty easy Easy lay. And look, it doesn't mean they're going to win. Of course not. It's a sports betting place. Baylor's <laughs> look awesome. I win this game with ease because Baylor's really good guys. They are a really good basketball team. I mean, for them to come back in that second half against a really good Houston team, mm-hmm. a really good defensive team, should prove a lot on how I, good that Baylor team is. I will say, Baylor's already a one three game losing streak in conference play uh, from January 16th through the 27th. Uh, they beat Can- They lost to Kansas State in Manhattan. They lost to Texas in Austin. And then they had the tr- ridiculous triple overtime game against TCU where we were all both on Baylor that day, and TCU found a way in three overtimes to win that. There is the revenge angle on that. I don't think that plays, though, in this game because of everything else we brought that. If they lose this game, it will be another three-game losing wow. streak in conference because they lost in Provo. Then, of course, that game on Sunday or Saturday against Houston. Yep. Then this one, they get Kansas on Saturday in Waco. I, if they lose this, Baylor loses this game on a full week of rest against Kansas, I'm going to be very curious to see where that line comes. Remember, Kansas beat Baylor earlier in the year in the fog by three. So pretty tight game. That'd be one of those. I probably actually looked at Baylor if the number's right yes. on Saturday. If Baylor does lose tonight against TCU and Kansas handles their business against BYU, please handle your business tomorrow night against BYU Kansas. Please, just, just for a multitude of reasons, just get it done. Uh, on that front, currently sitting in eighth place, by the way, the, okay. BYU, the BYU Cougars. So that's good, right? That's, that's uh, that means that means that's the, neither. that means it never happened. Okay, that means uh, we we shake our hand. Jimmy Rude and I shake shake each other's hand and we're like, "Good game." We uh, nothing exchanged on that one. Uh, if that were to be the case. All right, there's some college basketball futures, real quick. Where right now, Alex White, as we look across the college basketball landscape, Connecticut. Purdue, Houston, all the bracketologists right now have them basically 1A, 1B, 1C. And I think that's right. I do based too. off the resumes. I still think UConn is the best team. I think Purdue's the second best team. I think Houston's the third best team. They're the three short, they're across the board, three of the shortest teams in the future futures markets right now. Arizona also in that top four. Uh, right now, behind us, actually, well, how about 1A, 1B, 1C? How about Houston, Purdue, and UConn all 5-1 to one behind us right now to win a national championship? All same odds. Arizona 9-1, to one, Carolina at 10-1. to one. And then we get to the SEC mix, a 12-1 to one on Auburn, 14-1 to one on Tennessee. Bama's 18-1. to one. 
And then Illinois is the only other team shorter than 20 to 1 at 15 to 1. Alex, as we look at the favorites here, which will be anyone, we'll throw Kansas and Marquette over both the 20 to 1 into that quote unquote favorites mix here. The tickets I would want would be UConn at 5 to 1. Now, obviously, you missed the best of the number, but I still think it's pretty good. You're not going to get that number going into the NCAA tournament. I think they're probably going to be about plus 350 when this thing gets rolling in a few weeks. Probably your last time to get a number around 5 to 1, 6 to 1 is now. I would take UConn. And I would also take Illinois. Now, shop, because there are some 18s out there still. I think the fighting Illini are really, really good. And they're clearly the second-best team in the Big Ten, only produce better. And if they, can, if they can avoid UConn's region, they're more likely to not won't go with Purdue. And if they're dumped into the region with whoever gets the four in the West or Houston, I give them a really good opportunity as a three or a four seed to get to the final four if they're not with UConn or Purdue. So I like, I think that's a pretty good number on Illinois. And I don't know if that number will be around by the time the tournament begins. Dive into that a little bit more. Do you think it's a matchup? You like them? Well, I think it's simple on, I think it's, I think it's simple on the UConn one where I just think UConn's a lot better than right. they are. And they're better than everyone on the front of look, North Carolina. I don't really buy. I, I think they're good. I think they're probably are one of the six best teams in the country. Head-to-head, I'll trust Illinois' offense in that game, being able to score enough. Houston-wise, now Houston's a little more of a complex matchup because Houston's obviously great on defense. Illinois' top five offensive efficiency in the country. Illinois, 61 on defense. Normally not a profile that goes goes a long way. I think Illinois' depth is good enough in order to give Houston a little bit of problems here. Uh, Coleman-Hawkins is a unique matchup that can actually handle the the big-time size that Houston has on the interior. Um, and again, if it's Arizona, Arizona is going to lose a, at least a round earlier than they should with the amount of talent uh, that they have on the team. Is there anything on that that stands out though, Alex, of those shorter shots? We should I, say? I'm with you. I'm not buying Arizona. Definitely not. Um, the top three are all very tempting between those three. Houston is really proving that they are the best defensive team in the country. So that one, I don't trust Purdue, and then they make me a little bit nervous in that loss we saw against Ohio State. I think another team could figure that out, and I love UConn. So it would be between UConn and Houston for the favorites up there. And then I don't. we've been talking about Kentucky. We've had our guy Sammy P on. He loves Kentucky. And then that overall performance we saw them put together against Alabama might be time to take a little flyer on that if it's still 25-1 to 1 anywhere. Longer shots on this first page. Iowa State twenty-two to one, and then the collection at twenty-five to one. Kentucky, BYU, Duke, and Creighton. I'm not even going to bother mentioning the other ones on the thing because Wisconsin at thirty to one. Don't bet that they're not that good. I don't think Baylor's capable of winning six straight games at forty to one, and those sixty to ones aren't capable either. But those twenty-five to ones are interesting. Where we've talked about Kentucky in the past. Where, Sorry, I jumped ahead. Yeah. Where they're great on offense. They proved it again on Saturday with the 117 they threw on Bama. If their defense is even just okay, they are capable of outscoring basically anyone in the country. Of that group of 25 to 1, I don't mind them. If you want to take that at 25 to 1, if you want to take Creighton at 25 to 1, I don't have a problem with that. They're not going to be in the same region as UConn. They've already proven they can beat UConn, and getting them later in the tournament is important. Mm hmm. And if they play Purdue, they have Kalkbrenner who can guard Edie. 
So that's the one team at, on like a three or a potential four line that if I'm Purdue and they're in the same region, I don't love that. Right. Because that's they're one of the few teams that has bodies that can they can throw at Edie uh, <laughs> pretty easily there. Creighton at 25 to 1, along with Kentucky. I think those are pretty good ones at 25 to 1. You know my thoughts on BYU. Duke, I just don't think is good enough defensively in order to win six straight. I agree. I'm with you completely. I'm shocked um the FAU is sitting there at 60 to 1. Yeah, I think that I think that's probably right. That's what a lot when the tournament comes around, FAU is still gonna probably be an eight or nine seed. That's pretty wild. Those eight or nine seeds. I don't think their resume is there. Like you said, they are living off of what they did last year. That Arizona win here in Vegas and is going Arizona to play win. in a big way when it's all said and done. Yeah. I, re- I, I even just with the way that it looks in a lot of bracketologies now, I think that with that win is why they are in that 8-9, maybe even just falling to a 10 seed as opposed to falling into Dayton or maybe even out of the tournament when it's all said and done. They didn't get that win. I think they would be in Dayton right now as a first four team. Who does Arizona have left on their schedule? Arizona's any... schedule gets very, very easy. It does. Uh, mostly because, other than, <laughs> let's be real, Pac-12 is not any good. Their schedule, they get Arizona State this weekend in the final matchup mm-hmm. between those two teams. Uh, when they played Arizona State on the 17th of February, they won by 45. Competitive, Alex. Very competitive. <laughs> um, Oregon, trickier game. And then they play the LA teams. By the way, in retrospect here, Wazoo against Arizona State, that was one we missed on Saturday. We just avoided that because Arizona State is just one of those teams we don't like and they think we think they're bad. Yep. But that was a great fade spot of Wazoo and forget yes, it covering. Was. Wazoo lost the game by 12 and was never competitive in that game in Tempe. And you said it. You said, I wish Arizona State was a little bit better so no, I oh, could I, I, take if, this spot. If, if Arizona okay. State was the ability it was the ability of uh, of even Cal, I probably would have taken, taken him. Cal, by the way, with a nice comeback on when we got right on Saturday uh, against Oregon coming from behind at halftime to win that game uh, relatively comfortably and winning that game by five. And what a story for Cal. Uh, they could end up, they could reasonably end up a game under 500 yeah. in the regular season, which would be a heck of an accomplishment for Mark Madsen in year one in Berkeley, which means get ready ACC that Cal Duke rivalry where we have to throw the record books out moving forward <laughs> on that. All right. That's all the time we have. We went a little bit over, but Hey, we, we're on our own time, right? That's all that really matters here. Good work as always. We'll see you tomorrow. Yes, I'll be back tomorrow home. on the program. We uh, bring in John Murray from the Westgate. We'll get another book's perspective on things uh, across the sports landscape tomorrow. We're looking forward to that here on the show. For Alex White, I'm Jeff Parles. Thank you to the crew, Drew, Jerry, and great work as always. We'll see you again tomorrow, three o'clock Pacific time, right here. Sports by the book, South Point Studio.